Luke 11, verses 1 through 4, the Lord's Prayer. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us, and do not bring us to the time of trial. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. came to you and I said I've got some paper and pens here I want you to write down what you consider to be the most amazing thing in the scriptures what would you write down now I'll give you a hint number one should be the cross the resurrection the empty tomb that's pretty amazing hard to beat it's kind of like I'm doing pre-marriage counseling for a young couple, family, friends. And I have them do a pretty tough exercise, but it's important. They need to talk about expectations. They have. And every couple will say, oh, we don't expect, have expectations. We're coming in 0%, 100%. Expect 100% of ourselves and 0% from the other. Oh, how nice that sounds. How untrue that sounds. It's always a worthy all. So they need to talk about expectations. So they have to come up with 50 expectations, the number after 49. I always say that because I had one guy come and said, well, you said 15. Oh, no, dude, uh-uh. You've got to go through me if you want me to marry you, so give me another 35. But here's the thing. I always tell them, if you're going to say, I expect her or him to love me, I say, give me 51, that's a given. What's the most amazing thing 
in Scripture. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this prayer. Most of all, we thank you for yourself, for coming to us, entering our lives, caring, loving, looking upon us with mercy and compassion. Be with us in this time, with me in the preaching, with all of us in the hearing. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. If you are taking that question seriously, you are already beginning to realize how many amazing moments there are in the Bible. Yes, greatest among them has to be the announcement of the women. The tomb is empty. He is not here. One of the things on my list would be the story of Paul and Silas in jail. That story is filled with amazings. They've been savagely beaten, and with the blood still fresh, and bruises covering their bodies, Paul and Silas are singing and praising God. Amazing! Behind locked doors. Amazing! And those locked doors weren't enough. They were put in stocks, so they were chained to the wall. Amazing! They're singing behind locked doors with shackles. When an earthquake strikes at just the right time. Amazing. The doors to their jail cell are flung open. The chains drop. Amazing. But instead of jumping up and running to their freedom, they just sit there. Amazing. And the jailer and his entire household are saved and baptized that very day. That's amazing. Lots of amazings. The Red Sea parting on command and the Hebrews walking to safety, to freedom on dry land. Amazing. Abraham about to plunge a dagger into Isaac's heart when a ram gets stuck in the bushes. When was the last time you ever heard of a ram getting stuck in the bushes? That's amazing. Noah building an ark without a rudder, completely at the mercy of God, during not only the greatest storm of the century, but the greatest storm ever. It's amazing. David defeating Goliath. Joseph forgiving and reconciling with his brothers. And if you ever read the story of the reunion of Jacob and Esau, it is so dear, it will bring tears to your eyes. 
if you read it and you see it and you put yourself in their place, in their relationship. It's amazing. The blind seeing, the lame walking, 5,000 fed with a boy's sack lunch, tongues of fire floating from the heavens to land on the disciples' heads. And we hear these stories. Okay, what if all of a sudden tongues of fire started coming down on our heads in here? I bet we'd hear these stories in a different way, wouldn't we? Because it would be so amazing. And to all of these amazing things, Another, I will add, comes from Second Chronicles. You can look it up in chapter 1, verse 7 and following. Where God visits Solomon in the dark of night and tells Solomon to ask for whatever he wants. Imagine that. Put yourself there. You're restless. You tried to go to bed and go to sleep, but it's just not happening for you. You're restless. You can't sleep. You sit down in a chair. You're wide awake. The room is dark. All of a sudden, you hear the voice of God clearly, audibly, ask for whatever you want. It's yours. This is God speaking, and God says, just name it, and it's yours. What would you ask for? God, the Lord of the universe, the maker of everything, has just given you a blank check. You can fill it out for any amount. God's signature is already on it. There are absolutely no limits on what you can ask of God. What would you ask for? A big castle to live in high on a hill? A country of your own to lead? A better golf swing than Scotty Scheffler? You're welcome, Wayne. A transporter machine like in Star Trek, except real and one that really works? What is your biggest dream? An end to all disease, illness, hunger, and suffering, world peace? Every beauty queen knows to answer world peace. If you get asked the question, what is your favorite kind of candy? World peace! <laughs> this is it. You can ask God for anything. 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 Would you... Ask God for this. 
Would you say, God, I want your name hallowed throughout the earth. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And with these words, we come to the very heart of this amazing prayer. Everything that comes before these words are reason to hallow God's name. Everything that comes after these words are reasons to hallow God's name. They are the hows and the whys for hallowing. Our Father, united as family, that's a reason to hallow God's name. Where we're, we're, we're united with all generations who have ever dared to say that first word, our. That's a reason to hallow God's name. With those two words, we are invited into the parent-child relationship, the most intimate relationship of love. We talk about heaven. We are adopted by the Lord of the universe. Tell me that's not a reason to hallow God's name. Heaven, all is made right. Heaven, home for those we love who love God. Our home. Such amazing reasons for us to pray, hallowed be thy name. We'll be looking at the others that follow. Your kingdom come for that. Hallowed be thy name. Your will be done for that. Hallowed be thy name. You give us all we need for daily living for that. What is that? Hallowed be thy name. Sins are forgiven for that. Temptation is escaped for that. For that, for the cherishing, the glorifying, the, the reverencing, the honoring, the loving of, the, the hallowing of God's greatness. That is why I only use the word awesome when speaking of God. Nothing comes close. I don't care how good a cheeseburger is, it'll never be awesome. I'm not using that word to describe a cheeseburger in God. One's a little more significant than the other, you know? When Sissy and I pray before a meal, some of y'all know this, it is always three words. Thank you, Jesus. Surprises a lot of people, because, you know, y'all ask me to pray a lot, and so I give you these flowery, long, lengthy prayers, and they'll say, oh, man, why'd we ask him to pray? I'm hungry. But when it's just me and Sissy, and we sometimes invite others too, just three words, thank you, Jesus. And if others are praying with us, inevitably they'll, say, they'll ask, for what? What are we thanking Jesus for? For us, it's obvious. 
for everything. For absolutely everything. Hallowed be your name. John 12, 27 tells us how Jesus was about to die and rise again and unleash a global tidal wave of salvation. It is a brutal, brutal, difficult moment even for Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus prays, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. At this moment, when Jesus' sweat is described as great drops of blood falling to the ground, the spiritual agony of this moment, what does Jesus pray for? Father, glorify your name. You want God to answer your prayers? Then pray for something that will glorify God's name. Don't be like that woman who was praying. God, please send me a boyfriend. My preacher talked to her about that and said, that's not going to glorify God, that's selfish. Not going to work. So she said, I'll change, Pastor, and she did. God, please give my mother a son-in-law. You want God to answer your prayer. Pray for something that glorifies God. You want a better relationship with someone. Then do something in those relationships that will glorify God. Glorifying God is the very heart of this prayer. And glorifying God must be the heart, the purpose of our lives. To live the great, thank you, Jesus. Hallowed be thy name. The Bible even says, how do we love God? By living God's commands. Hallowed be thy name. Living the Easter Alleluia every day of our lives. Being part of the tidal wave of salvation God is still bringing to the world. Hallowed be thy name. Everything in this prayer, everything in our lives is centered in these four words. Hallowed be thy name. Amazing, isn't it? Maybe even awesome. Amen.